because it helps people yeah. listen to it. Great. Yeah. Okay, Spark 116. The distinction is competing with others comes from not respecting yourself. The notes. Perhaps you know what it's like when someone behaves in a way that conflicts with the way you must behave. Their offensive behaviors triggers all four, I would say all five. Now we've discovered there's a fifth body, all five of your bodies to react. Have you noticed? For example, in your physical body, your organs pumping adrenaline and hormones into your brain, nervous system, and muscles. You have the feeling of being aggressive or hysterical, depressed or isolated. In your intellectual body, your mind speaking harsh voices to them or to others, criticizing and judging their behavior. behavior. So well justified that the word actually come out of your mouth. In your emotional body, your heart, your heart cramps up and disconnect your, the flow of compassion and love for them. In your energetic body, let's say, gone, this was written a long time ago, we've discovered new things. Mm. Your energetic body, so cuts up, cuts off the respect and generosity and acceptance for them. Your caring for them stops at least in this particular moment. And in your archetypal body, it's also a cut of letting what your archetypal lineage or your bright principles would have for them as a service for them. And you cut this flow and then it's, it's uh, yeah, you cut the flow of empowering them or giving them possibility or clarity or love, wh whichever your bright principles are. But these reactions are your box which is your survival strategy, the comfort zone, uh, your personality, this is other words for box. These reactions are your box, trying to keep others behaving the way it thinks you must behave. To keep others behaving the way it thinks you must behave. I don't get it. Mm. Can, you, can somebody explain to me that sentence? Yeah, it's like the rules you have for yourself, the other ones need to also follow. Otherwise, mm. it's unfair. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Sarah? For, for, for me, the, 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 what's being described is about the, um, the, 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 form, the, the primary motivations in this kind of... Um, competing or these kinds of reactions are, are power and control. And so it's all about um, keeping others moving in ways that interacting with me in ways that feel that make the world feel safe for me and mm. trying to make a safe world for myself by making others behave in safer ways. Thanks. I keep reading. Does your box use the same weapons against yourself that it uses against others? 
the moment you break one of your own conscious or unconscious rules, does your, your box flood you with hormones and bash, bash you with critical voices, hard feelings, and a cold attitude? For most people, the answer is yes. For the harshness that we have towards others, we actually have it towards ourselves. Does anybody, oh yeah, what is your, what are the voices that you have? What are the critical voices or the, those feelings? How does it work for you? For me, it's like uh, you don't have the right to, or, yeah. So it, both, both against others and then also towards yourself. You have the same sentence, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, Vera. For me, this describes very accurately. Uh, it's this my one of my like my main box strategy is being a good girl, and so that would be like following the rules. And so this these particularly like the voices and the emotions of like they are breaking the rules and, and, and feeling like an extraordinary amount of anger more than the little thing that they're whatever that they're doing um is, is very familiar it's really very familiar it's just it really works like that and the self-judgment and, and then kind of goes into like oh my god i am judging them for this so it can even spiral in even more how many people have this, so that would be emotional anger, have the emotional anger as the first reaction? Like the, no, yeah. or they, you know, they're doing it wrong. Okay. In this, in this kind of, um, uh, there's, a, there's like a, a word that people use, it's like shock, you know, like it's this, this emotional anger that is also mixed with a little bit of fear to see mm, yes. other people can do it and I haven't done it, you know, something like this. Mm. Dimitra? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand anything. But, um, <laughs> You're doing understand. great. You're doing great. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand what are you talking about, but uh, okay. I'll try to follow. Mm, let me try it. It, the way the spark is written is also very uh, counterintuitive for my box. So um, that's why I'm, I'm asking. Mm, if you close your eyes. Yes. Close your eyes. There are some moments in your life where somebody does something and you consider that as offensive. Like you get offended or you get you say, hey, this is, this is not right. This is the wrong thing to do. But he, he does that to me. To... It doesn't have to be you in particular. It, okay. can be, it can be in a space or you see it in the street or okay. maybe in a politician okay. or, yeah. Okay. You know what I, so you know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. Okay, what happens in you? Uh, yes, I... I, I, I... My anger is uh, rise up, mm -hmm. and uh, I take uh, I, sp I speak up 
the last years uh, I speak up. What um, do you say? Uh, it depends. Uh, the, this week uh, we were on the bus and it was a refugee woman with a baby and it, and it was another Greek woman and she said something to her and her child. And, uh, you know, I interfere and uh, some other people interfere. And, but um, I, after, I, I, sto after um, I left the bus, I understand that uh, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't be so aggressive because um, probably the refugee woman, you know, it was, um, we were around here, three people and, uh, and yelling to the other woman. And um, then I start thinking about... Uh, but uh, the woman, probably the refugee woman, maybe she just wanted to disappear. She was not happy that the, the three people uh, were taking action for her. She was just, she was just, um, I had the feeling that uh, the sensation that she, she just wanted to feel disappear. So she would just take the baby, put it inside, and it would be better for her to, and I, anyway, yeah. So I do, I Yes, no, I don't know what to say. I just, uh, I don't know, some people, uh, when, when you want to... When I? Yeah. No, 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 I, uh, sometimes you, 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 you cannot, um, you, you, you react to a situation. Dimitra, uh, would you use I instead of you? When, okay, when, when, uh, when um, I react to a situation, uh, and then... So, and then uh, I'm thinking that uh, I did it for me or I did it for her in the end. Mm -hmm. And how, how, okay, okay, but I want in, in, you know, I want, I want to do it for her because I want in my bright principle, I want to change this world. I, I want this world changed, you know, I will fight for it. I have decided, but I have to find the, the way to do it without, um, you know, protect the others or shout for the others, but to, uh, to, to um, you know, not, uh, but with a boundary. What I think you're looking, the word you're yeah. looking for is without rescuing. Without, um, This is part of the, Yes, I, yeah. We, this is have you heard about the dynamic called low drama? Do you know? What yes, of course. I know, I know, I know, I know. So, if, you, if you're the rescuer, then okay, you're the refugee the refugee woman is a victim, and you can you relate to her as a victim instead yes. of empowering her. So then, if you if you as you say, if you move from a place of well, I I can you know I'm better or I'm superior or I can do it and she cannot, then actually you're doing it for you. Yes, it's part of your survival strategy to you. You were offended, and then you try to rescue the person. But you could have the you could have the same gesture coming, but creating high drama, creating high drama. And I think this is a really valuable question to the question you had: Am I doing it for me, or am I doing it to empower her? or to mm. create a different context or a different culture or, and, mm. and the line, it's like walking on a razor's edge. It's walking on a razor's edge. The line is very, very fine. 
So you, you could fall on either side kind of at each interaction. So to keep this question, what is my purpose? Where does my move come from? I think this is mm -hmm. really one of the most like uh, evolutionary or awareness creating question that we can carry with us. Yeah. And when it's, when we get offended, the sensation of being offended is an emotional reaction. And it, I, it seems to me that it would be a mix of emotional anger and fear and sadness. Does that make sense to everybody? So being offended is this emotional reaction and an emotional hook, like when, when we call it being hooked. When we're offended, we get hooked. And, and, our, and then we move into the survival mode. It has to be a particular way. It has to be different from this. It has to be like this. Yeah, and that, that, that um, tightness, that is an indication of, okay, we, mo we just moved into survival. Yes. And it creates exactly what, like the, what the spark was writing in the physical body, intellectual, emotional, energetic, and archetypal body. That's the symptoms, like the hints that we are in that, in that state. Can I add something? Yeah. I also feel that it is related to shame. Uh, like uh, the feeling of uh, the thinking of uh, you don't have the right is uh, related to uh, social conformity. And you have to be... Gabriel, can I just give you a hint? Mm, it helps me to connect, like relate to what you're saying and relate to you. You're speaking in very general terms, like it relates. Yes. So yeah. would you say for me or in my own yeah, experience? Sure. Yeah. Sure, Thank sure. You. Yes. Um, what I feel in this kind of situation for me is more related to shame. It's like... Uh, I don't have the right, so why the other person had the right also? And shame uh, triggers anger for me. What is the and shame then, about? What is the shame about? I think it's, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, sorry, there is a noise. I hope you don't hear it. But, uh, a little bit, but they're cutting down okay. trees. <laughs> no, there's cutting grass or something like that, oh, okay. land mower. Um, it works. Uh, pretty good sound to describe the shame for me. Uh, whatever. No, it's... Uh, so, Gabriel, I might, this might help you. Yes. Shame is a mixed emotion. Yeah. So, if you just close your eyes and check out of anger, sadness, fear, and joy anger, sadness, fear, and joy, which are the mixed ones? Surprisingly, I would say that there is more fear and sadness. Okay, so there's fear and sadness, but, and you also said? Anger. And anger, yeah. So shame is a mix of all those three. So, and 
it would it gives you clarity when you say okay the part of shame like the part of the anger in the shame is about this so i feel angry in the shame because so would you do this with the the anger the fear and the sadness just tell us what is the anger part the fear part and the sadness part it when you look up like this gabriel you'll you'll start looking in your mind Yes, and I'm yes. going to give you a big hint. Mm. Your feelings are not in your mind. So that's why I'm, I, sure. it helps to, it could, it helps to close your eyes and even kind of more look into your heart. Yeah. And there'll be this sensation of anger and the sensation of fear and sadness. And you just say, you say, I feel angry because, and let the anger speak. or the fear or whatever, which one is a big, the biggest right now. I guess what I feel first is, is fear. Okay. There is fear like a shock. So I feel mm. fear because I feel fear because, uh, I have, I am vulnerable because I feel vulnerable, like uh, vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, I feel hurt. You feel hurt? Yes. This so fear, with this fear, there is uh, the feeling of being hurt. Also. Okay, so, so the, yeah, so there's four kind of hurt. There's four kinds of hurt, anger, sadness, fear, and joy. Mm. Like there's four kinds of uncomfortable. So mm. those are words like being hurt or being uncomfortable are words to sort of put a mask on feelings. Those are really tricky words that modern culture has invented to actually not be clear about the feelings. Mm. Okay, so you feel fear because if somebody does something that you don't agree with or it's like breaking the rules you feel vulnerable so you feel scared about being vulnerable yes okay um, i fear of i have also the fear of being attacked by something yeah yeah uh, and then there is sadness also because yeah. What I feel is that, yeah, it already happened uh, somewhere in the past. So, what happened? What happened in the past? Um, this kind of uh, being attacked or being a victim or being, uh, yeah, attacked by something, someone. Yeah. Yeah. You feel sad because you've been attacked in the past and you're yeah. afraid that it might happen again. Yes, exactly. And then comes the anger of uh, I, I want to seek revenge. I want to, uh, yeah, that's how I can describe it. Can you say um, what is the revenge that you? It's more about uh, justice, I guess. 
like uh, showing others like it's not right or uh, yeah something like that trying to 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 bring back uh, an equilibrium like that something so the anger is about making people wrong you're trying to prove them that they were wrong mm -hmm. yeah kind of okay Okay, thank you. So there, those mixed emotions like shame and guilt, those are big ones, especially in countries where the, the church was very present. That major manipulative uh, emotions to control people. You feel shame about something, you feel guilt about something, or jealousy, or revenge, or resentment. There's a really long list of mixed emotion. When those come up, one of your practices could be, okay, I feel shame. Okay, what is the anger part? What is the fear part? What is the sadness? And then you get clarity. Get clarity. And each of them are, those are emotion, though emotional. Like you said, Gabriel, it happened in the past and I'm afraid it will happen again. That's, it tells you that that's an emotional fear. And that's a gateway for an emotional healing process. It tells you that you have this fear that runs in your system that is not coming from the present. It comes from the past. So it, it, yeah, it's just an indicator of saying, okay, this is an emotional healing process. Just like for Dimitra in the beginning, the fear of being stupid, like it's sort of, it's a, the fear is linked with the story, I feel stupid, okay. That probably comes from school. That's an emotion that probably comes from school. And that's a gateway for an emotional healing process. So your feelings and emotion, your emotional body has so much intelligence about, about your life, about what, what is your next step, about what you can do. Either, either I take action, that's use, using the feelings, or using emotion, I can go through an emotional healing process and my life will be different my shape will be different and I will interact with the world in a different way after I heal. So, so this being offended are, are actually really keys. They're golden keys about how your box is built. It tells you how your box is built. Okay, this is, this is a rule. That's what it's saying. There is a rule right there. And okay, where does the rule come from? Does it come from church? Does it come from the government? Does it come from my parents? Does it come from school? Or did I make it up? Did I totally made it up? So rules are not bad and they're not wrong. Most of them keeps you out of the present and it keeps you out of connection because when the rule is broken, the survival thing kicks in. It kicks in. So it's, it just, it's telling you, okay, why don't we check that out? Where does this rule come from? And this, I mean, just doing that is creates a different culture because like, for example, we are, we're doing with Vera, we are part of, and other trainers, we're part of this conflict transformation summit. And there's about 2,500 2, people in this summit and people are really like invested and be like, okay, how can we do this differently? Instead of having this, which is modern culture, I'm right, you're wrong. And 
you know, my party is better than your party. That's politics. And my religion is better than your religion. And in my country is better than your country. And my cooking is better than your cooking. Whatever the thing, you know, my football team is better than your football team. The whole modern culture is, is partly rooted, is rooted in competition. I have more money than you. And if I, if I can get, if I have a better salary than you, then I'm a better person. I'm high on the sta social status ladder, whatever. Okay, all of that is co competition. And, you know, people that I would call edge workers, like us, like walk, wor working and moving to the edge of the culture, trying to create something different because modern culture doesn't work for us. Okay, we still have a box and we still have a gremlin and that box and gremlin will have its own rules. And, and we think, oh, those other people are competing. Those other people are fighting against each other. But when we find ourselves in groups, I've been in so many eco-villages and so many uh, supposedly um, conscious team. And the main thing is I'm right, you're wrong. That's, that's yes. been the main theme. And it's like, and for me, it's like mind blowing that we can call our, ourselves edge workers when we keep doing that. Yes. Because it's the same, it's the same game. It's the competing game. So it is such a revolution to, to be able to be aware of this tightness and this, and the anger that comes of this is wrong or, um, yeah, this, they're breaking the rule or, uh, they, they're not allowed to do this. And it can be, um, like big things like um like bill gates uh you know try to vaccine everybody or whatever it can be but it can be also very very small things in our team saying she said this and that's it's not allowed to say it like this and to notice that and be okay i have a rule i have a rule and it kick, keeps me out of connection okay and put and you can put it on the table saying okay I feel emotional anger right now. I feel offended, which is partly emotional anger because you said this and you broke one of my rule. Thank you for mirroring. Like, thank you for showing, mm. thank you for being my ally in my evolutionary journey. And would somebody hold space for this process to, to, for me to figure out where this rule comes from and be able to maybe make a new decision about it. And then, so what it looks like to me is next culture is mostly about having a meta conversation. Yes. That is a meta conversation. We're having a conversation about how the conversation goes. So most people are hooked into the, the linear conversation. You know, this is my idea and this is your idea and who's going to win it. And am I going to be loud enough so people can hear me? You know, that's mo mostly what's happening. The loudest person gets to win. And it's this win-lose game. And next culture is, how is it going? You know, how can we have a better conversation? And then, and then the, the other kind of conversation, like the idea or the decision takes care of it. What I notice is that it takes care of itself. The meta conversation makes that the more like first conversation just takes care of itself. And, and then it's about connection and negotiation and relationship instead of ideas and opinions and thoughts and only decision which is more of a linear yeah it's a linear way of relating 
That's so just recently. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Um, I had this picture. It was, I was seeing a film uh, of Spike Lee, and there was my minefield there. And uh, I now see that in my past, when I grew up, I was conscious, uh, unconsciously um, digging mines for myself. Don't go there. And my inner landscape more or less um, consists a lot uh, out of a lot of mines which I dug, which means when I step there, I'm going to explode. So and what I do, what I now try in my, in my inner picture, I deactivate these mines because, uh, or also when other people go there uh, and I'm not aware, I will touch them and I say they are right to be blown up there. So it's kind of it helps me to understand the rules that I set inside myself and for others to see them as minds. Uh, don't go there. This is lethal. This is forbidden. This is uh, not good. Cool. Do you have an example of one of the minds that you've like recently you've, you find out or? Um, one of the minefields would be, uh, especially with politicians, I, I like to uh, to put them on minefields, like uh, um, hypocrisy, for example. This is one one of my favorite. I, I would judge one of our favorite Austrian politicians to be manipulative, um, hypocritical, and so on. So this is my automatic reaction, and and I would be very harsh on it and, and condemn it. So uh, vice versa. I can look for myself what, in what way am I judging myself to be hypocritical and um, not true and to be manipulative. Hmm. I, Sarah, is that related to this or is it a different thing? No, I think it's, it, goes to, it goes to that because um, competing or judging, that's, that's what I linked with it. Yeah. No, Sarah had raised her hand and I, because I want to say something to the politician. But no, please. I, different okay. thing. Okay. Different thing. Mm, I was in Zeg, uh, which is a community in, in Germany. And one of the founders called Achim is quite active in the village where Zeg is close to. And there's those, those kind of neo-Nazi fascist political party that was going really big. And then there's the Green Party, which Achim is trying to support. And he told us this amazing story that he went there and he could feel this like fight and I'm right, you're wrong. And he walked from the Green Party like barrier to the other like um, main neo-Nazi and say, like, how is it going for you? Like, how is it inside of you that this is important to you, that what you're fighting for is important? Like, I, I really want to know. And then they both kind of left the, the rally and sat at a cafe and, and spoke. And then at the end of the conversation, the neo-Nazi guy went to the Green Party and started to collaborate, like a, a conversation, like a collaborative conversation. Wow. And just the story was just like uh, amazing that how one person who can have this meta conversation and also probably, he probably maybe had a, a mind, like a taboo there. He, you know, he went through it. He said, let's explode the mine, you know, let's, let's go there. And, and that's the result. So I, I really like your image, uh, Joseph, and I'll put it in a, as an experiment about where did, where are the minefield? Where did, where did you set up the mines? Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Sarah. 
um, I really appreciate the comment about the I'm right, uh, you're wrong thing, um, even coming up in our own groups. And I'm, I'm actually even uh, having it, uh, having that same experience, noticing that same story coming up in um, it for me right, right now in this group. And um, I, the story I'm, I, I'm the, the box story, story my box is telling um, when the, the topic, I, I feel um, anger was, anger is the first emotion. Um, I feel um, anger um, uh, because um, when the, this is so, I feel so silly in so many ways, but um, uh, these are my rules. <laughs> is uh, when the topic came up, I, I had um, felt excitement and joy about like I had something to, to, to say or share. And then I had to, then I, then I um, had to, that's an interesting word. Um, my box is telling me that I had to, that you all made me sit with my joy and not be able to express it for so long, the thing that I wanted to share. And so then I had these uncomfortable feelings um, and that I have had to sit with for so long. And my, the rule of my box is that you shouldn't, that you're bad and wrong for making me sit with these uncomfortable feelings. Um, and, um, and so then I, what I do is make it your fault and in my box or my box, I or my box, whoever is there uh, makes it your fault. And then, um, and then I also have fear um, that, that if I act on this box and express this anger, then I'm going to say things that um, you're all going to, that, that, that then you all kick me out of the group for saying them. And, um, and, uh, and sadness about um, this like, deep longing to, to connect and um, somehow have whatever experience and feelings are coming up in me reflected back um, by all of you. Um, there may be some excitement about saying this or joy about saying this, that it maybe it's possible to find a way to do that. Um, yeah, so for that's, I guess, there's, that's how I compete with all of you in a space like this for energy and attention. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to add, Vera, would you be able to repeat back some of what Sarah said? Yeah, it's, um, Sarah, you have, you have fear that by saying um, what is really going on and experiencing what is really going on, that, that somehow it's not accepted and that you're going to be kicked out of the group and it's not allowed if you take that space. And 
that you um, anger that yeah anger that um, that there's this thing inside you for so long and you also feel joy because you are able to right now say this say this that you are saying that you are daring to do that and that it's being heard and that you are occupying this space you're taking this space to do that okay I'm going to keep reading the notes. Man managing yourself using the same mechanism you use to manage others reveals a principle. How you treat others mirrors how you treat yourself. Mm, and that could also apply to the way people treat you. That's the way they treat themselves. And I think that's a big hint for a lot of the interaction. So let, apply, let, let us apply this principle to a very common game being played in modern culture. The I win, you lose game of competition. Competing is a survival strategy that assumes a scarcity of resources. Does everybody know what scarcity is? Dimitra? is the no. lack, like the lack of, there's not enough. There's not enough resources for everybody. Okay. And resources, do you know what that it, you know what it means? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So competing is a survival strategy that assumes that there is not enough resources for everybody, a scarcity. We assume there is not enough love or opportunity or coolness or status or self-respect or a I'm adding, or attention, or money, or mm, space. There's not enough space. So, as well, so those are abstract resources, as well as material objects like food, or clothes, or concepts like money, and space, and time. There's not enough of all of that. So were you ever afraid of not having enough money? Anybody said that? Yeah. Mm, enough respect. Anybody have not enough respect? Yeah. Mm, I mean, I say this and this is pretty radical, but mm, like for example, the feminist movement, I, I, I'm not saying the feminist movement is bad, but the feminist movement saying, Women don't, are not respected enough by men. That means they would consider that respects come from men. And that there, there's, yeah, there, there's not enough respect. So they're still playing the scarcity game. If there's not enough respect or not enough love or not enough. So this is how you can notice when there's movements, like what is their purpose? It's like if there is a moment where they use this, there is not enough. You know that they're playing a scarcity game, I win, you lose. 
So somebody's winning, somebody's losing. And often the movement is I'm on the win. I'm on the losing side. I'm mm -hmm. a victim. I'm on the losing side. Okay. So, uh, were you ever afraid of not having enough recognition or yeah, or being seen? Okay. Have you ever, have you ever competed against others for these? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Anna. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, although I'm very late. Okay. We're having fun, so just jump on the joy train, <laughs> on the fun train. Mm. So modern culture claims that competition generates efficiency and creativity. Does that make sense to anybody? If there's a not enough of, then people are going to be fighting with more efficiency and more creativity to have it. And the more there's less, like the more there's a competition, the more there's a scarcity, the more creative people will be or efficient. So it's just like, yeah. The innovation, innovation, innovation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, Efficiency with a big a capital E and creativity with a capital C are bright principles. So we make a distinction between efficiency and creativity with a small E and C as concepts compared to efficiency and creativity with capitals that are bright principles, which are forces of nature. So efficiency and creativity are bright principles that bring their own benef benefits when called into your workspace. So this says you don't need competition to have efficiency or creativity. You can take responsibility for them to be in the space without creating a win-lose game in the first place. Competition is child-level responsibility prom pr promoted by those who hold all the aces, so all the the good cards, and stand to benefit from the many, many losers. Okay, so this is the 1%. The 1% promotes competition, saying you better get a job, you better get a job with a lot of money, you better study, otherwise you'll be one of those losers. I, I notice from doing a lot of single coaching, so many people go to university or have a job because they're, they're, the fear, the root fear of that is, I'm gonna end up on the street starving without a home. Anybody has that kind of fear? This what will happen to me if I don't, you know, get, follow the path, follow the competing path. So I just wanna say, just add something about the the last sentence, which said, competition is a child-level responsibility promoted to, by those who hold all the aces and stand to benefit from the many, many losers. Mm. Gabriel, I just mu muted you because there's sort of a feedback that makes a, a, a background sound. Okay, so just, if you wanna speak, just unmute yourself, okay. Mm. It's, it's a useful distinction to notice and to 
be able to distinguish what is the level of responsibility of a culture. And so you can make, you have, we have this map that shows the numbers of, number of people in, on the planet and their level of responsibility in relation to their, the culture that they source, like the culture that they live in. And the question you can ask is, when a child makes a mess, who cleans it up? Who cleans up a child's mess? Anna, you should know this answer. <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> so the parents, you know, the parents cleans up the mess. Does that make any sense? When a child makes a mess, the parents cleans it up. And in a patriarchy, it would be the mom. The mom cleaned it up. And when you think about as a, as, a, as a whole, modern culture is making huge messes. So can you tell me what kind of messes on the planet modern culture is creating? What kind of problems? Water pollution, um, all the, I don't know the English word for the cars that make so much dirt and the fabrics that in the air, the pollution, I think it's. Yeah. And then the garbage, yes. Yeah. The plastic in the in the ocean but also in like dump waste that actually when they decompose throw that nanoparticle of plastic in the air that we are all breathing every time we take a breath we breathe in nanoparticles of plastic so even in the there's some recycling um like recycling i don't know how you call it like factories and they have air filters but those air filters are not strong enough to capture the nanoparticles. So those just go up in the air and we think we're recycling. We think we are doing a green, a sustainable action. What kind of other messes? Um, poverty, uh, not, uh, uh, so, so economic deprivation, but also a deprivation on, in the sense of um, social, uh, a sense of, uh, people uh, are feeling um, like because I have to compete or not have to, but because we end up competing for worth. Some of, uh, a lot of us, uh, I, I feel worthless. I feel, I, if I lose that competition with you, I feel worthless um, yeah. or, 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 or I like uh, not valued and that, I, and a, a lot of that, um, at least uh, the, the research on that shows that that's, that ends up creating things like, like the, the lack of feeling valued, lack of feeling connected, the lack of uh, feeling like I, I have a stake in the social system ends up creating things like uh, what we call mental illness, what we call addiction, what we call um, crime. Um, and so that, that's, that's a mess that, that the competing, that, that some people having, some of us having lots of worth and others of us having none of it, the, the, the social pollution we're creating yeah. is, is a, a entire classes of others. Yeah. Yeah, those are huge messes. I mean, the, ref, the refugee crisis, I'm putting that quote-unquote crisis, is also a huge mess. Wars, uh, depleted uranium, mm, nuclear waste, nu any kind of nuclear power, that now half of Japan is eating radioactive food and they don't have a choice to eat anything else because the water, the whole water system of North Japan is polluted by Fukushima. 
So I would encourage anybody to n not eat any al like algaes and how do you nori sheets and sushis, like anything that comes from Japan has radioactivity that your body cannot get rid of. So I want you guys to live long. So this is an offer that I'm making. Okay. So on and on and on. There's so many messes, you know, the, the ADHD, kids being bullied, kids being beaten up, like domestic violence, like on and on and on. So those are huge messes. And is modern culture, is, you know, is, are they going to clean it up? Who's going to clean it up? Society. So the responsibility is on, on, the, on the communities and on the state level. So profit is going with the company and the responsibility to clean it up is to, general, to the general. So do you think the government is cleaning up those messes? Well, it's starting to actually, but uh, not only partially, but usually, let's say, um, like we have in... Uh, when it's going to um, vaccination, for example, um, the, the plan is that in case there is a mess coming from in, in, uh, vaccination, the responsibility to pay damage uh, indemnification would be with the state. So that the idea is that um, there is that the, the benefit and the profit will go to the companies uh, producing the vaccines. But if anything goes wrong, well, the general, uh, society will be liable for it. Yeah, actually, the government are authorizing corporations to make money at the, depend, at the expense of its people because yeah. it's the government saying you have to get vaccinated. So the government is in the game. Yeah, absolutely. So, so they're, not, they're not cleaning any messes up. You know, paying in, like, damages or indemnity is like money is worth nothing. Money is nothing for them. So it's, mm. it's a bullshit cover-up, say, we're, we're taking fake responsibility. Sarah, mm. you're going to say something? Just thinking the government is saying, we, we, at least what I am hearing that, that is, the government is saying um, that, that um, we'll clean up the mess. Uh, and what that means is that the people who that the government taxes and collects money from who are the citizens who are hurt by the mess then have to pay for the mess to be cleaned up that the corporations profited from. Yeah. So the, the way they are avoiding responsibility is externalizing their, externalizing their cost to third world countries or uh, society at large or next future generation. This whole mess about climate change, this, you know, in 50 years, those people will be dead and I don't care. I mean, seriously, I was in, as a friend who is an architect and the guy said, I want to have a cheaper plastic because I don't want to pay for this. And she said, okay, this will pollute your children's future. And he, she said, he said, I don't care. I'll be dead. That was his answer. And that's the main answer. I don't care. I'll be dead. Externalizing cost. So, it, it this tells us that modern culture is, will not clean up its messes. Therefore, it is a child-level responsibility-centered culture. I make messes and I don't care about the consequences. Okay, 
So leaders of, C, of you know, CEO, leaders of corporation, presidents, prime ministers, even president of NGOs supposedly trying to do good for the planet are all behaving like five years old children. Everybody in modern culture is behaving like a child. I make messes and I don't care. And this is the, the and that creates this, and it's part of the competition and scarcity and I win you lose game. There are next cultures that are being created centered on higher level responsibility. After child is adult level responsibility, which says it's a fair level responsibility. I make a mess, I clean it up. I make a mess, I clean it up. That's adult level responsibility. Then there's high, high level responsibility. And then there's even radical responsibility. When a culture is centered on radical responsibility, it says there's a mess. It doesn't matter who made it. I clean it up because it's my planet, because it's my trees, because it's my rivers and it's my ocean and it's my house, whoever how it's my house, it's my air, it's my future. It is not somebody else's future, it's my future, even if I'll be dead. That is radical level responsibility from which the possibility management is centered on radical level responsibility and the distinction and tools and skills emerge from, there is a mess, I clean it up, it doesn't matter who made it. And it's, you, you choose. Like, it's not like radical level responsibility is good and child level responsibility is bad. It depends how you want your life to be. I've discovered in myself that taking radical level responsibility is high level fun. It is extremely fun. Because whatever space you are, you are never a victim. You're never a victim about what's being said, what's the purpose, because it's your space. It is your space. Or, so when Clinton and I travel and we never get to really, we don't have a home, so we don't get to live in our home. Mm, and, but when we move into a place, it becomes our, our place. So it's not about having our boxes say, I want it like this and not like this and stuff. But if the toilet is broken, it's, we might be there for another two weeks, we fix the toilet. There's not enough olive oil for the whole community. I buy the olive oil. This is my community. This is my kitchen. And, and, and I want it to be in abundance so that I, I source the abundance. I'm not waiting for somebody else to source the abundance. So this is, it's like, a, it's a, you would have to move, like uh, take your point of origin that has been, because you grew up in modern culture, it's been plugged into a scarcity win-lose competition. Those are our habits, our box habits and our survival patterns are scarcity. And you can say, I'm taking out my point of origin from this and I'm putting it in radical responsibility. I am at source. And then it's, of course, you'll still, like everybody has an underworld and uh, has wounds and emotion and I still go through processes, but it's a commitment. It's a decision of I'm at source and when I am faced with my own rules, my own minds, my own bombs, my own taboos, I'm looking it in the face and I'm putting it on the table and I'm doing what it takes 
to heal or transform or shift or yeah cool thank you for mm, listening to this <laughs> thank you okay okay i i would like so there's a couple more paragraphs for the 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 notes and then i would like to move on to the experiment so deciding to compete against someone else deciding to to compete against someone else means you do not respect them enough to care if they lose. I'm going to say that again. Deciding to compete against someone else means you do not respect them enough to care if they lose. Not respecting someone else mirrors not respecting yourself enough to care if you lose or not if you respect yourself you would change the game and respect others enough to collaborate with them to create ways to care for each other what a cool game <laughs> what a cool game and there's so many really i I, su I surprised myself to discover there's so many ways and elegant ways and mm, really technology to create those games moment to moment. And, and they, they're really worth practicing. They're worth practicing. Okay, Anna, do you want to say anything? It would be great to hear your voice. I... I just want to say thank you for this space. Um, I've been quite in a competing world in the moment and it's also nice to be here with Gwendolyn and I know I'm not as focused as I would be alone and I feel that it's so, yes, I'm very, very thankful for that. Okay. And I am very much into the competing game, which makes me, yeah, it's interesting to just hear that right now. Can, would you give us like one example that you've been competing recently, where you've been competing in your life? Um, <clears throat> for me, competing is connected to revenge. Like, because I haven't had a father who was a space holder, he was, he's so busy with himself. And now he's visiting me and part of me says, okay, he can't do it. And part of me, my child ego state goes like, okay, but then now I know how to do it and I'm not going to do it. And, and like yesterday, he even told me, I said, I don't want to eat after, um, after like I eat supper and then I'm finished. And then he said to someone else, yeah, but Anna can make an, uh, a different, you know, um, Ausnahme, ein, um, exception. exception, exception, like to another person. And I got so grumbling mean to him and said, who shouldn't eat something is you because you're so big. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. So this is for me, this is all part of the competing game because it's kind of, I feel smacked. I smack your back, which is a, I win, you lose. So, yeah. Thanks. I, um, 
<clears throat> everybody has their own circumstances. And, but I, I was saying that in the Rage Club last night that starting this path of initiation, when you, when you started and, and it, it becomes intense, I recommend to not visit your parents for two years, to, to not be around mm -hmm. them because there's so much emotion that you comes up and heal and, and then you see your gremlin and, and our parents and our family, this is where we get the most hooked. This is the most difficult. So it's like, it's like the ultimate taste to be able to go and visit your parents and not be hooked. That's the ultimate taste that you've become enlightened. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it can be, I'm, I'm still in this process of, I, I need to, yeah, I need to get my own space and my own center and my own culture. And then I can be around people. I can be around my parents and be okay and be okay where they are. Gwendolyn agrees. She will, she will leave you, you know, when she's 18, she will go away for two years. <laughs> yeah. So the parents have to go for their own initiation. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to start reading the experiment and see how it goes and uh, see if we can create um, like an experiment that we can do right now together. So human beings are naturally collaborative, co collaborative and non-adversarial. We are expert at creating conditions where everything and everyone around us wins and benefits. Sure, there is evidence to prove the opposite. Just look at the shock doctrine and disaster capitalism of the corporate political empire. Okay, we've mentioned that already. Modern culture functions at child level responsibility, but this is a, a passing phase in human evolution. Who says you must keep playing the same, the same game or that level of game. This experiment is to grab yourself by the bootstraps and grow up to change your mind and play a bigger game. Here, here's how it goes. So probably while I'm speaking, you can grab your uh, book, probably you'll need your book and, um, and just kind of follow the instruction or yeah. I'm just waiting for uh, Sarah to and Anna get their book. Yeah. Okay. This is how it goes. Make a new decision. So, so either I, I can make a few proposal, but either you write it as like on a blank page saying, I'm, you know, this is my new decision. When I make big decision, I even put it on the first page of our, my notebook. When I make really new big decision, I just write it there. So when every time I open it, I can read it. So make a new decision right now, make the decision to radically respect yourself. So the first step is write it. So write it in your beat book. I radically respect myself. This is no big deal. Radical self-respect is your natural birthright. 
go ahead admit it to the world and then when you're ready say it out loud i radically respect myself i radically respect myself I radically respect myself. I radically respect myself. So, Gabriel, I want to give you a little coaching because it you went up at the end as if it's a question. Hmm. You were asking sort of a question instead of saying sure. it's a statement. I radically respect myself and you go down. Sure. So, it might help if you put if you have your your hands here it just kind of covers up your statement so you can put your hands on your on your thighs on your legs and you can look at us in the eyes and say and say it i radically respect myself thank you Chat. I radically respect myself. <laughs> I radically respect myself. I radically respect myself. Can you say it in, in Greek, Dimitra? Yeah. Radical is fundamental, right? Because there, there are three, I was searching, and so it's like, well, it's worthy. It's like um, there is no other other way, right? That's yeah. the meaning, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So from the root. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the root. Okay. Uh, I cannot. Okay. Um, Basic. Basic. Mm. It's not exactly okay, but. Uh, um, So, and try to look at someone in in the eye in the yeah. Connect with somebody. Από τη βάση σέβομαι τον εαυτό μου. Thank you. Thank you. Gabriel, do you want to say it in French? It would, yes, it would help to not have your hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, je me respecte profondément et complètement. Merci. Joseph, do you want to say it in German or are you okay with the English? It's always good to do it twice. Ich no. Ich übernehme radikale Verantwortung für mich selbst. Thank you. I want to say it. This was, I actually was saying something, sorry. Ich respektiere mich radikal. I was saying something different, actually. Okay, so would you say it without putting your hand in front of your mouth, the second, the second version? Mm -hmm. Ich respektiere mich radikal. Mm. Danke. 
Sarah? Yeah. Eu respeito-me a mim própria, radicalmente e completamente. I know you're dealing with Gwendolyn right now, so I'm going to leave you to that. Okay. If you want to say it in German or? Okay. 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 Now. Can I say it again too? Yes. Okay. So. Rizika, servo me ton eftom. Eparisto. Ego eparisto. Okay, now mount a competition detector on your left shoulder. So you can sort of click your clicker and make, make up an energetic competition detector. Okay, and then you have it in your hand or you click it straight on your shoulder as you wish, straight on your left shoulder, yeah. And it's, okay, it is a yellow light that goes boom. Bang, 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 bang. Anytime you disrespect someone enough to compete with them, the instant your alarm goes off, replace your fear of scarcity or your competitive jealousy by making a proposal for creative collaboration. Okay, so that's the experiment. That's the practice. When it, it's going to go bing, 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 Okay, you're gonna feel it when you do it and you're gonna feel it when other people do it with you. It doesn't matter who started it. Your experiment is bing, bing, bing. Replace your fear of scarcity and competitive jealousy by making a proposal for creative collaboration. Do not try to change someone's competitive behavior towards you. The experiment is to respect yourself enough to propose collaborations, to team up and take care of each other. The point is to make proposals. This is a big new skill, making proposals, which might be accepted, which might be refused. You don't know, you're making an offer. And if it's refused, it's like, What I usually do is if I make a proposal and there's a no, I open three doors. I do, I do three different kinds of proposal. I say it in different ways. And when I make the third proposal, I say, I've been making two proposals for collaboration. I'm going to make one more. And if you say no, then I'm going to close the door and I'm, I'm going to leave. And I leave. So I also tell them what I'm doing. And that is so, so then they can be aware of what's going on in them and they, they can have a real choice. Okay, am I really going to say no or, okay, maybe I can change my mind. And, and can they go back to one of the first, like the first or the second proposal then after knowing that this is the last? What I do is often is um, either I modify a little bit, you know, if there's a first proposal and there's a no, Either I modify it a little bit for the second, but most often is I just say it in a different way. Yeah, so it's not so much about uh, making too many different proposals, it's just saying it in a way that, okay, the first way didn't land, how can I say it in a way that they, it makes sense to them? Yeah. 
So you can propose big or small collaborations, long or short. Okay. It's not, you don't have to make proposals that you're going to be committed for your lifetime each time. Okay. This is, this is too much. It's like too big. And then you get commit commitment with 50 or hundred people that you cannot keep. So you can make a proposal for collaboration, five minutes. Proposal could be, um, you didn't really heard, hear what I said. Would you, would you be willing to, I would want to repeat what I said and would you repeat back so I feel heard? Okay, that would be a three minute collaboration. Would you just be quiet while I speak, be in silence and then you just repeat back. And then I'll do the same for you. And we can go back and forth like that. Okay, that's a short collaboration. Mm. Your, oh, sorry, I go back to, okay. Your proposal may not be accepted. Acceptance is not the point. The point is to make proposal. On the other hand, you may be surprised by how many of your proposal are welcomed and embraced by other people. This is called having an unfair conversation. You have more clarity because you've been in this spark and you've done other work. You have usually a lot of people who are in this space, you hold more clarity than the other person in the conversation. Your awareness makes you responsible. Responsibility is awareness in action. So because you're, you're aware about the, com the, the, com the com competition, the competing because of the alarm, beam, 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 it is your job to make the proposal. And because they cannot think of it, like they're hooked, they're in their survival, they're in their tightness, and you can make a vacuum saying, hey, instead of being over there in your little box, come and play with me here. And so you're, you might be surprised about how many people are waiting for that. They cannot make it, but they're waiting for it. So you can make, you can propose big or small collaboration, long or short collaboration. For example, while standing in line at the post office, you can speak to the person in front of you and offer to hold their place if they would like to shop around the store a bit. Instead of, I mean, I, I know it in myself, how many people when you're at the line in the post office or at the, at the cashier, all of a sudden there's somebody who makes a little move and there's this like, hey, this is my spot. How many people have that or have had that sensation? So, you know, this is how fast our competitive, like I was here first, like I've been shopping, I'm in a hurry, I have other shit to do. What, you know, whatever the story we tell ourselves. And so what I do is when I notice that, <clears throat> I look around and I say, okay, where can I make a collaborative um, proposal? So that my scarcity is undermined. Like it's just, I take care of my own scarcity. I change my mind about it. So, so we have so many uh, opportunity, like there's so many doors for us to, to like have this notice this alarm and make other proposal and this is kind of very makes a life way more fun than scarcity okay or at your next office meeting you could propose you know I, maybe most of you don't have an office like you don't have a corporate job 
but it could be a team meeting, a possibility team, uh, a family meeting. So at your next meeting, you could propose to adopt a, a protocol for using the intelligence of fear as a team. Using the intelligence of fear. So that whenever someone feels com competitive, they say what they're afraid of. So all my, uh, what they fear. So all, all of us, like all the team might address the cause and al alleviate it, like take, make, take it away. So this is also having a meta conversation. Yeah, Anna. And I've had the notice in the last weeks that people tell me that they're, then they don't feel fear. They don't know fear. They don't have fear. And then, yeah. then I, I, I'm always end up in. So, okay, do you want to try no? Mm. You know, you found, you found, you made for yourself a really, uh, like rough, like sleeping environment to practice. Yes. Okay. I mean, you might want a question about wh what is your purpose about that, you know, mm, and it might, it might be just the perfect environment to be faced with what's out there, really, instead of being people around people in community and who love doing development, whatever, this is such a minority on the planet. Mm. So then you have to get more and more elegant in your ways of making offers. This is your practice of becoming yeah. more and more elegant. So for example, with what happened with your dad, like yesterday about the food, you heard him talk to about you to somebody else while you were in the room, right? Yeah. yeah. So what I would have done is to pause and to look at him and say, what were you trying to, you know, what were you trying to create when you said that? What was your intention to, um, what kind of interaction did you wanted to create with me when you, you talked about me to another person? Okay. Without, um, there's no, you don't have expectation, like you don't have assumption about his answer, but it's just about putting it on the table. You know, what, what did you want to create? Okay. Mm -hmm. And mm, he's sleeping when he says stuff like that, he's sleeping, he's not aware of it. So, when you're going to ask that question, it's going to be boom. It's going to, you know, reflect about what he just said. And, you know, he might not accept your offer. You might get angry. He might, whatever, but you're practicing your proposals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I get it that it's pro it's like the hardest to do that as a woman with your father or as a man with your mother. It's like the hardest thing to do. So you're having really great practice. <laughs> okay thank you okay yeah mm. so another example i'm keep keep reading the experiment another example so many single moms live in desperate isolation because they do not respect themselves enough to collaborate with other stay-at-home moms to create a tribe of moms and kids taking care of each other each day does that make any sense? <sighs> okay. 
I mean, I don't know what to say else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. That could be something that you look into, Anna, about what is the part that you don't respect yourself enough to find a tribe. And I, I'm sure there's, you have reasons and stories and, but yeah, you can look at a level deeper. Yes. And one, one of the main stories is that if people tell Gwendolyn that like she falls down and they just say, it's fine, nothing happened. Uh, for me, I am hooked already and, and I don't really feel comfortable having people telling her it's not okay to feel and nothing happens when things happen. So, yeah, yeah. this is part of my story of being alone. Okay. And, and Anna, it could, it could also be interesting to provide, to, to support that clarity, to give that clarity to other moms. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I've noticed a lot of them don't want to hear anything because they're into the I'm the best mum, you're not going to tell me anything. And and I don't um, want to go into the conflict. I don't because I don't want to come from the place I know you don't know and I have a sense um it just has to be a moment where I really have a I really have to make the offer so yeah, just so elegant that they think, oh, well, this might be interesting to hear. And what? Um, and then, yeah, I, I'm not there yet. I need to get the potty. Okay. Okay. I, I, I like, for myself, I'm intrigued by... by finding a way to put, like, the fears like Anna just mentioned, um, I, I'm intrigued by finding a way to like put those fears into advertising, into an advertisement for who I want to become a member of my tribe. So instead of like sort of feeling like I have to coerce people who are, who are around me into higher consciousness to kind of advertise for who is interested in building a tribe around these values. That's, yeah, that seems easier. Like a lot of people have this question, you know, I already have a tribe and they don't want to change. Okay, well, you evolving faster than the rest of them. That's what it means. So there's, there's a lot of possibility, but one possibility is your evolution means that ECHO, the universe, the Earth Coincidence Control Office, is sending you off to create something else for other people. You know, that's what, one possibility of what it, it means and so it's like you're leaving that game world behind even if it was a great game world and you had friends and you had fun and it's not because it's bad it's like you you're you're set up for it to create something else and then it seems easier to have an agreement at the beginning uh, we are contexted in adult level responsibility or radical responsibility and that means we're taking responsible for our feelings and emotion and we use them for their intelligence, either the feeling for handling things or the emotion for healing things. Because, I mean, it could work to, to take a whole context and shift it. It could work. And, mm, 
yeah, Echo has plans. So you can ask this question, you know, what, what does it mean? Like, where am I supposed to go next? Yeah. And what I, as an offer is, if you make this offer for your team to say, uh, let's use the intelligence of fear, go first and you demonstrate. I feel fear about this because I, and I, you do it five times. I feel fear about this, also that thing because, and that thing, and that thing. Okay, so the first meeting, you're the one who goes first into the fear. And maybe the second meeting also. And then maybe the third, somebody else, hey, I have the same fear as you. What can we do about it? So that's also about having this unfair conversation is you, you go first. Yeah. I just, so I want to just finish this one more paragraph and it's Clinton writing a story about himself. So while writing my last book, I was stuck. Other authors were getting their books done and I, and I tried using competition to motivate myself, but it did not work. You know, other people are doing it. I should be doing it. Anybody familiar with this? Other people are succeeding. I should be succeeding. One afternoon, I saw that I was not respecting myself enough to, to propose a collaboration. So I, I immediately proposed a pirate agreement, which is an archetypal offer with a fellow trainer. I asked her if she would agree to have a weekly phone report from me to help me wrestle with the new material from the book. She said yes. It took only one phone call and the book was finished. Respect yourself enough to propose collaboration of mutual benefit. Because the trainer and, and, and a lot of other people in the world would benefit from Clinton finishing his book and publishing it because they're so full of jewels and clarity. So that's the mutual benefit. I have a proposal for an experiment that we could do in pairs for the last 10 minutes. It's to check in ourselves where we are stuck in creating something, probably because we are competing. You're stuck in creating or we don't have collaboration because we don't respect ourselves to propose the collaboration. And so to, to check that in ourselves, to reveal that part and to ask the other person, okay, what kind of proposal could I make? Please give me ideas of propo collaborative proposal that I could make. So instead of being in scarcity, I will be in abundance of possibilities. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna break you out in breakout rooms of pairs. And um, if you keep track of the time, first person will have five minutes and then the other person has five minutes and we'll come back at 12 around here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> 